Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today we have Lucas Marsic with us and he will continue our series through the Gospel of John. In today's passage we will learn more about bread, probably not in the common sense, but we will see that the Bible calls Jesus the living bread. What does that mean and what does this comparison imply? So join us today to find out more about what hunger is, what the bread means to us and how we are to eat this kind of bread. And now this is Lucas. morning. I brought you a little something this morning. A nice loaf of bread. So that we not forget what this sermon is about. Can you see it? Yeah, you know what bread looks like. So, yeah, this morning uh, the, the story is all about about bread, and I want to well, I want to read the, the passage to you in John six. Uh, it's it's a very uh, it's quite a long story, but uh, we'll just take some um, uh, skip over some verses. I'm going to start reading in verse twenty two in John six. Forgot about the mask. It's, I'm so used to it now. Um, uh, so John six twenty two. It says here on the next day the crowds. Uh, that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, Did you believe in him who he has sent? So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And I'm going to jump ahead to verse 47 until verse 59. So starting verse 47, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his, his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sends me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on me will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. It's the word of God. So we counted how many times the word bread shows up in this uh, passage, many, many times. Uh, and since we're dealing with bread this morning, the question I'd like to answer today is how to eat bread. Do you know how to eat bread? Yeah. Yes? You sure? Have you ever eaten bread before? Yeah. Maybe you know. Maybe you know. Thank you already know how to eat bread. Uh, but in the end, I hope we will all have found out. So, let us just take a moment and, and pray and ask God to give us guidance in this, through this passage. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you again that we can study together, that we can learn from you, that you, will, you want to show us something. And we ask you to teach us about the bread of life, about the bread um, that you talk about and that you have revealed to us. So we ask you that you give this to us, that you grant us some insights into what you think um, we need to know and need to do. Praise in your name. Amen. Amen. So, I don't are you aware that um, a year ago, a year today, as a matter of fact, uh, Austria switched to the state of emergency thanks to the coronavirus. It was... A year ago. Yeah, we've been dealing with those COVID-19 issues and all its consequences for 12 months now. And living in these times times of uh, pandemic restrictions, your people, they miss things that they used to do, that they used to have. Visiting friends being at a restaurant, eating at a restaurant, yeah? shaking hands, hugging, all these things. Do you still remember those days? You know, you remember how to shake a hand? Uh, so not only is these things, but really they have been replaced with other things, like keeping your distance, wearing masks, get so used to it, right? Getting vaccinations, yeah? A colleague of mine recently said, uh, you know, I said, I don't care what kind of shot I get, give me any kind of vaccination, I just want normal back. And I feel for him. Maybe you, you can identify with that too. I mean, do you want that too? Would you want normal back? However, when the day comes, let's assume the day will be there even very soon, and normal is back. You'll be sitting together with friends, eating at a restaurant, having a good time, and you say, yes, I have my life back. But maybe you also feel, well, you're not yet enjoying life at its fullest. And, I mean, remember the days before the pandemic, more than a year ago. Did you have the feeling that you were enjoying life, truly enjoying life back then? Did you leave, lead a life that was full of life, basically? I mean, will the app fix the problems that you had before is the question. And if you haven't stopped watching the news like some people have, 
uh, you will watch the news and see that more than ever, uh, different that they try to promote different kinds of living, and it's all the way of saying only this is a life worth living. And I said, no, this is the real life. This is what we should be doing. Uh, and I don't think normal back. I think we all want a life that's worth living. And I think this is a profound question that everyone has to ask and everyone has to find an answer to. What is a life worth living? And how do you know that the answer that you found is the right answer? And so let's see if this passage in John 6, if that gives us any, any help uh, today. So I didn't read the whole chapter, of course, uh, but uh, at the beginning of the chapter, uh, there's a very famous Chapter 6 starts off with Jesus feeding more than 5,000 people at once yeah, with just a lunch pack. It's an amazing sign. Everyone gets fed. Everyone has enough food for everyone. There's leftover food. And the people, of course, they were quite impressed. And so they all went home. And the next day, they started to look for Jesus again. And then they looked for him, and we just read that, and said, ah, Jesus, there you are. And then what's really interesting is what Jesus responds. Because Jesus doesn't say, well, yeah, here I am. You found me. No. Uh, what did he say? His response takes the whole chapter into a completely different direction. Because he says in 26, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And when you read the stories of Jesus in the Gospels, it always pays off to carefully look at what is Jesus criticizing when talking to others. And what is he criticizing here? He says, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So where did people go wrong? I mean, didn't they, didn't they see the 5,000 being, being fed? I mean, they did. But what did they miss? And Jesus sees the uh, he tells them that, that they didn't see the sign, although they did see the sign. I think we should pay attention here because it's something that we all need to be aware of. Back then and today, Jesus is telling us, you can see signs and you cannot see them. You can see God at work and you cannot see him working at the same time. And without God himself leading us, we will probably miss how he's working. So what Jesus is saying, he's criticizing is, his, you don't care about the sign I did, you just come here because of your stomachs. You come here because you ha you're full of, you fill it with bread. All right. Transmission. So, he says, hey, you had some bread, and you want some more. That's why you come to me. And, I mean, I, I guess I would have done the same thing. You know, I mean, if, imagine there's a person living close to you, and this person can make, make food appear. I mean, I might think of quitting my job, you know, having a good life, never having to work again, having, never having to cook again. <laughs> it's a great friend to have, right? So they come back for more, of course. Uh, and then what's following is a long debate between... These people, the Jews here, and Jesus, 
And in the end, it shows that they don't know what bread is and they don't know how to eat bread. And so, since it's, there's so many things we could focus on, uh, let's just deal with three basic questions. Those questions, they might sound very primitive, almost too primitive, too easy, uh, but I think this is the things that we're struggling with in John 6. And perhaps in the end, we will have found some answers. There's three questions, okay? Maybe you see them. What is hunger? What is bread? How do we eat the bread? Okay? So I did not mix up my, my notes with a kindergarten message or anything. Really, this is what we're trying to answer here. Okay? And the first question, what is hunger? I mean, we all know this feeling in our stomachs, right? We all know that we, if, if we don't eat, we're not going to feel well after some time. And we all know if we don't eat at all, we're going to starve. We are going to die. It's that serious. And therefore, whenever we feel hunger, we do something about it. We make an effort get to get some food somewhere, somehow. Okay, we need it to survive. But Jesus says this in verse 27. In verse 27, he says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. So we all know that you know, things like meat or fish or even milk, they can all go bad in a day or two or so. And maybe vegetables, fruits, they last a little longer. But in the end, they all perish. Yeah? I did some research on, on, on how, like, how, how does food perish or how long does it take. And did you know that um, archaeologists have found uh, honey in graves that the honey is 5,000 years old and it was still okay? Yeah? So uh, honey is one of those things that, that doesn't seem to perish. Great. I, of course, it also depends on how it's stored. It has to be sealed off and everything. Uh, it can lo- lo- last a long, long time. So is this what Jesus is talking about? No more meat for you, no more fish for you, no more milk, just honey only. Is that what he wants for, for us as Christians? I think he must be talking about something else. Although honey is great, I love honey. Um, what kind of food does he have in mind? What's the food that perishes and that I should not work for? So of course, in the verse, he refers to food that's in, that endures and takes us to eternal life. And in verse 35, he said that earlier. He said, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. So what's the kind of hunger that is not immediately connected to items that you can buy in the supermarket? I mean, ask this question. Ask yourself this question. What's your kind of hunger? What are you, what are you longing for? What is it where you say, hey, if I won't have that, I'm going to starve, I'm going to die. And I think these days, a lot of us, we have plenty of food in the fridge, but a lot of us, we long for, let's say, for comfort. Okay? I mean, even living in Europe is quite comfortable compared to other places in the world. Um, we long for more comfort still. And some of us, we experience hunger in all kinds of areas. We ha- hunger for success, and then we become successful, and we hunger for even more success. Or we shift it and say, well, success didn't give it to me. And they hunger f- we hunger for inner peace. That's a big deal, isn't it? Inner peace. We feel out of balance and then we long for inner peace. And if we can't get this inner peace either, we have to find some kind of substitute. 
And, you know, modern times with lots of access to medications, you know, to kind of all kinds of drugs, yeah, and, and of course the classic alcohol. Uh, all these things, they can help us to forget what we don't have. And so we turn to things like that, we p- become addicted, and we all know they don't satisfy our hunger, but they make us forget about the hunger. And some even say, you know, binge watching on Netflix, yeah, it's, it falls into the same category. Yeah. Uh, you feed on some shows, but still there's this feeling of hunger and emptiness in the end. And you might say, well, okay, of course, I'm glad this won't happen to me. I subscribe to Amazon Prime, so I'm, I'm fine. Uh, of course, these kinds of things all, all work together and sometimes have all the same effect. So we hunger for substances. We hunger for peace, for success. And, oh, not to forget, we hunger for true love, don't we? We hunger to be with this one person. We dream of sailing on a boat into the sunset. Just the two of us. Why? Because then everything will be all right. Or when I live in my own big house, then everything will be all right. Or when I finally have children, everything will be all right. Or when I get my dream job, when I have my ideal body weight, when we have the right church, all these things, then everything will be all right. And this is our hunger. This is what we long for. And this is what we gladly are going to work for. And Jesus then says, don't work for the food that perishes. You're hungry and you need bread. But these things that you're feeding on are not bread. So that leads us to the second question. What is bread? In verse 35, uh, Jesus said to them, famous passage, famous verse, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the first of the seven famous I am statements in the Gospel of John. And Jesus claims here to be the bread of life. And he explains what it means, because that's, that's a kind of a confusing statement, isn't it? So a little earlier in, in verses 32 and 33, he said, uh, My Father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's talking, in verse 32, he's talking about the true bread, the true bread. He reminds them, and he reminds us, that whatever it is we're working for in this world, it is not true bread. You will go hungry again. And even more, some of these things uh, that we think that are bread will make us even hungrier. And if you've been living uh, in, in, in Austria or in the Western world in general, uh, there's, there's this kind of idea about, uh, about our world, about our existence, about the universe, and we tend to reduce ourselves to the physical only. You, know, you, you might have heard people say that. They say, well, the universe, it's all there is. It's big, but it's all there is. Yeah? Everything that we are is just biological and chemical and physical. We don't have a soul. We are just bodies. And therefore, if you're facing problems in this world, you can solve it with physical solutions. You need the right therapy. You need the right medicine. 
And we just haven't found out everything that there is uh, about this physical universe. And that's why some people, you know, they still believe in the supernatural, be, like believing in a God, believing in spirits, believing in demons and such, because they don't have a proper scientific explanation for some phenomena that are there, that are out there in the world. But eventually, people, these people say, eventually we'll find out that these spiritual things never existed in the first place. It's an interesting statement. Because I'm, I'm wondering, is this statement, we will find out that the spiritual things don't exist, the supernatural things don't exist. Is this a scientific conclusion? Or don't you need a supernatural revelation in order to be able to say that? And so the Bible, on the other hand, it tells us that humans are both physical and spiritual beings. And we therefore have physical needs and spiritual needs. And even if we had every physical comfort in this world to, that the world has to offer, if we had every, everything, our spiritual needs would not be met. We need something from heaven. And there's a great quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, he once said, I think uh, you will also see it on the screen, if we, found us, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. If nothing in this world, if the world cannot satisfy everything, there's a conclusion. We must be made for another world, not just this world only. The Bible does not say that the physical itself is bad. You know, God was the one who created the physical, first of all. But yet we know that we have desires that nothing in this world can satisfy. And that's what Jesus points out. We need this food that brings life from heaven. That's what he mentioned earlier in verse 33. The bread comes down from heaven, he says, and it gives life to the world. We're not talking just about existing. Okay? We're talking about life. You know, you know the difference? You talk about these things, whatever you think about, when you dream about true living, or as we said earlier, this life worth living. That's what Jesus is talking about. And if it's true, you know, if it's true, if we are spiritual beings as well, do you know what that means? If we are spiritual beings as well, I mean, we all know in 100 years from now, in 100 years from now, none of us will be here anymore. But are you aware that you're still going to exist in 100 years from now if you are a spiritual being? If there are things in this world that this world cannot satisfy, if you are made for another world, if you are an eternal being, then in a million years, millions of years from now, you and I are still going to be around. And what if you haven't found the true way of living by the time you pass on from this world? You will be stuck in an eternal existence and not in eternal life. Okay, an eternal existence without meaning, without true satisfaction. That's hell. Okay, this is what you can imagine hell to be. Living forever with no joy of living. 
But when Jesus speaks of living forever, you know, in the original uh, Greek, he always uses a term, a word, a phrase that implies a joyful, a satisfied state, and not just existence. And he adds some important information later on in verses 51 and 53. He says here, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What is Jesus talking about? He's answering a third question. How do we eat this bread? And he explains when he's talking about bread, he's really talking about his body. Talking about the flesh here. And of course, the Jews, they were very upset when he said this. Okay, uh, Cannibalism was forbidden. You don't eat a human. Uh, and nobody ever literally took a bite out of Jesus' armor or something like that. Not, I mean, not the 12 disciples. No one did that. Okay, so again, we must ask, what's the deal here? What does Jesus want from us? And we need to dig deeper to understand this image that Jesus is using. And I think it's, it's good to use a, a, another passage to compare these, uh, these words in, from John 6. Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, for example, Matthew 26, at the Last Supper, Jesus uh, says things, these things, verses 26 to 28, he says, or it says here about this last supper. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So here in Matthew, Jesus says, my body is the bread. And in John, he says, the bread is his flesh. So he clearly interchanges these symbols. He uses them to teach a deeper spiritual truth when talking about the body and the bread and the bread and the body. And when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he clearly wasn't like a loaf of bread walking around. You know, it was, he was not a loaf of bread. And people knew that. But he is, he is the bread sent from heaven to fulfill its purpose. And what is the purpose of bread? To feed us and to give us life. And how do we feed on this bread from heaven? In a similar way that we feed from bread like this. I mean, do, you like, do you like the bread that I brought this morning? It's not the perfect bread, but it's, I think it's, it's a nice loaf of bread, isn't it? But what is wrong with it? Okay, it's, it's still quite fresh. It's still, it's not, it's not you know, um, everything seems to be all right, doesn't it? But how will this bread now satisfy me? If I leave it here, is it going to satisfy me? Or if I put it on my, my belly, is it, am I going to be happy and satisfied with this bread? 
Hmm? Or if I put it in my mouth. But what's the next problem? It's very good. It's almost perfect. But I still can't eat it. You know, Jesus, other than this bread, Jesus is the perfect bread. But a perfect bread is of no benefit. And what must happen for, for this bread to fulfill its purpose? It must be broken. Only broken bread nourishes you. A perfect, intact bread. It doesn't get into your stomach. It doesn't get down. It doesn't satisfy your hunger. It makes things even harder, as a matter of fact. You know, if, if you have bread sitting here all the time and you cannot eat it, it makes things harder if you just look at it all the time. And I'm telling you, especially if you, have, if you are a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, but you feel there's some kind of distance between yourself and Jesus. I mean, what do you look at? How do you look at Jesus? Do you see Jesus as a role model? Is he the perfect example? And you try so hard to be like him, and you fail a thousand times, and it, it does not lead to a satisfied life when you have the perfect role model in front of you and you know you cannot match up. And just looking at this perfect bread only will not lead to a relationship between Jesus and yourself. Or it will be some kind of maybe business relationship. You say, okay, I believe in you, Jesus. I'll try my best, and then you let me into heaven, okay? But there's no personal contact. It's not social distancing, it's relational distancing. And if, you know, if Jesus is so awfully perfect, you will desire to run away from Jesus and not towards Jesus. A perfect bread is of no use. It has to be broken. And did you notice earlier in the, in the passage in Matthew, Jesus says, you know, my blood is poured out for forgiveness of sins. But he doesn't say the same thing about the body. I don't know if I read this right, but... You might ask the question, why does Jesus emphasize two things, the blood and, the, and the, the body? I think the answer is because we need both. So if the blood is for the forgiveness of sins, what's the purpose for the bread, for the body? The blood saves you from eternal death, but the body gives you eternal, joyful life. Because having the forgiveness of sins does not make God's, God's plan complete. You know, first we need to be cleansed from our sins. Yes. So we can enjoy life in God's presence forever. And so we must feed on Him. Some people just stop at the forgiveness, forgiveness part. You know, they say, ah, the blood of Jesus cleansed me. I'm free from, from sin. Yes. That's, that's true. But you stop there and you forget about the, the body and forget about the bread. And they wonder, why is my Christian life feeling so dull? Never forget, when you look at Jesus at the cross, remember that the bread of life was broken in your place. In order to pay the price of our rebellion against God, we are the ones that should be broken. But what did God do for us? His love was bigger. Over here is the perfect bread of heaven. And over there were the broken people of the world. 
and God volunteered to have himself broken, just like that. So that we can be unbroken. Did you know that Jesus still carries the scars of the crucifixion in heaven? The multitudes in heaven, they praise him. They say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. The effects of the cross are still obvious in eternity in heaven. He was slain. He was broken. And God says to you personally, I'd rather carry scars for all eternity than spending eternity without you. And his love for us is so big. We have no idea. He longs to be with you. He has provided his blood to free you from the curse of sin. And he has given his body so that you will have life and not just existence. And how do we eat this bread now? How do we take it in? Only the broken bread from heaven will satisfy. Only the broken bread will satisfy if we take it in. We need to feed, you know, on his word and take it in, take in his word. We draw closer to him through prayer and we take in Jesus Christ. We take in more through community with other Christians. We take time to worship him. And in all that's taken in and taken in, you realize the beauty in Christ's brokenness. And I'll tell you something. Through grace, your own, your personal brokenness will turn into something beautiful also. Like Jesus did turn into something beautiful in his brokenness. And this is how you eat the bread. You feed on Christ who was broken for you. What's going to happen once you eat the bread? Once you digest the word of God? Do you know how, how digestion works in our bodies physically? You know, when you take in food, it disintegrates and the energy stored in the food is set free. And this is the reason like why your body gets strength and it gets warmth. It's because the energy in the food is released. And then you can go and do the things you do in your life. You, know, you go to work, you do sports, you do all kinds of things. But when the bread of life releases its energy within you, you will be empowered to do things you weren't able to do in the first place. The Spirit of God will work from the inside out. And you will be able to do the work of God. And you will not feel like, oh no, the perfect God wants me to do something and I can't match up. You will be able not to miss the signs of God like the Jews did in the, in the story. You will be able to make sacrifices you never thought you would be able to make. You will become less selfish automatically. You can admit mistakes freely. And mo maybe most important of all, you will be able to love people that you couldn't love of your own, just on your own. You'll be able to reach out to people that God loves, and now you start loving them too. And I can tell you this, the more I've, I personally feed on the Word of God, the more I experience this. I'm, I'm, I can deal with people, I can, I can love people who basically, humanly, human speaking, <laughs> I would never love them. 
But as we come to an end, let me just remind you. So when you feed on Jesus daily, I promise you, you will find something new. You will find something precious in him. Maybe you will not find it in every single moment, but I promise you the bread of heaven, it will change you. It will give you strength in moments that you couldn't handle on your own. But not, not just for your own sake, but for the sake of God who wants you to do, to fulfill that, what he has created you to do. And you will start to rearrange your life around him. You will not see Jesus as someone who represents a set of rules to follow. But Jesus will be your personal life giver. He will be your personal daily bread. It all happens once you allow Jesus to be your broken bread. And not just some perfect distance bread that will keep you hungry. And this is my final question. Do you have this life in you? In verse 53, Jesus had said these words. He says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and unless you drink his blood, you have no life in you. So do you have life? Do you eat this flesh? Do you eat this bread? Do you drink this wine or this, this blood? So it doesn't matter if you've been raised a Christian or if you're hearing this for the very first time today, unless you feed on the bread of heaven, which was broken in, in your place, you will remain hungry forever. Meet Jesus in the beauty of brokenness. His blood is for forgiveness. His bread is for living. Feed on Jesus every day. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for this bread that will satisfy our hunger. Thank you, Jesus, that you've been broken in our place. Thank you that this is the message of the gospel, that in our brokenness we could never fix ourselves, and that you did something about it, that you came from outside our broken world, and you fixed it by letting yourself be broken. And you were restored by God's power. You came back from the dead. You, you, raised, you rose again. And you are exalted now. You are praised by the heavens. And, and we all can see what you did for us. Everyone, the, all creation can see what you did. And we thank you that you loved us so much. That you gave all this for us. That you gave up your, your, your status and your glory. Just so you can draw us closer to you. That we will not be forsaken and lost forever and I pray Lord that we know how to do this that we know how to feed on you on a daily basis to let your word sink in get into us and so that it can release its energy in us and I ask Lord that we can see the powers and the, the beauty that, that comes with that that this will, will drive us and this will encourage us to do the things we need to do that you've called us to do we ask you that you help us to love our neighbor, to love the others around us, and to share the good news with, with them, and to care for them, because you already made us satisfied and not hungry anymore. 
who praise you and bless you and thank you that you're with us this morning. Amen.